the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Well, the, today's passage is found in the outline that's provided for you in your worship folder, and you're welcome to follow along in the passage. I won't read it to you this morning for the sake of time, of course, but I am not going to give any less time to this message because it is so rich, and it has impacted me in a great way, and I believe it will impact you. So going through that passage, I'd like to share some thoughts with you. A little while ago, there was a father who wanted to spend a little bit more time with his six-year-old son. I remember that with my dad, and so he would take me different places, and this father would take his six-year-old son to, to do errands together, as many of you dads and single moms want to do. Well, it was lunchtime, so they had to pause for lunch, and they stopped at a diner, and when they got to the diner, the father took a stool there and sat down and lifted up his little six-year-old son and put him on the stool, and they ordered their meal off the little card there, and the meal came, and just before they ate, the father, because this little place was crowded with people, leaned over to his six-year-old son and said, son, what we're going to do now is we're going to have some silent prayer before we eat, all right? The little boy said, yes. So the father, he bowed his head, and silently the father prayed to the Lord. A few moments later, he lifted up his head, and he didn't want to eat till his son finished his silent prayer. Well, the silent prayer went on and on and on and on and on. And finally, the boy lifted up his head and the father said, that was a, a, a good prayer you had there, uh, but it was really long. Why was it so long? And he said, well, you said you wanted a silent prayer. And so the implication was, I didn't pray at all. I didn't do anything. I just bowed my head in a silent prayer. Well, I don't know about you and me, but some of us probably don't pray as often as we like unless we're involved in immediate crisis. Something has to bring us to our knees, either in our heart or physically, that we're going through. And you know, it's not too uncommon. They recently have done a survey of Christians, and they found out that 84% of the Christians they surveyed, and they don't survey every Christian in the world, but they found out that 84% of them pray at least once every single week. Did you hear what I said? Once every week is when they would pray. And I don't know those people, but I'm sometimes wondering if some of them might be like some of us, that when they pray, they really don't know what to say, so they don't really pray, or they live in a world that they've learned to control a lot of it themselves, or at least try to. Or perhaps when they do pray, they really don't believe God hears them and that God will answer their prayers. For I was thinking for just a moment, go with me in your mind for a moment. If we really believe there is a God, and he delights in answering the prayers of his children who have a heart turned toward him. If we really believe that, and that he's in control of everything, do you think we would be praying a lot more? I know I would. And I think all of us, if we admit that, if we really believe that, we would be praying a lot more. I think some of the issues with prayer is that when people do pray, when you do hear them pray, 
they often will pray some shallow prayers. Sometimes the what I call them are cliche prayers. Have you ever heard someone pray something like this? Oh, Lord, just lead, guide, and direct. Have you ever heard those phrases? Have you ever thought about lead, guide, and direct? Lead, guide, and direct. That's kind of redundant, isn't it? And then sometimes when we pray like that, we really don't pray the way God would have us to pray. And I'm not here to put you on a guilt trip, but I am here hoping that we might awaken ourselves that talking to God could be a very rich thing. Or have you been around people that they think that the longer you pray, sometimes even publicly, the more spiritual you are, and they go on and on and on and on. I had a seminary prof tell me one time, he said, you know, those sometimes who pray long in public often pray short in private. Now, that may be a judgment, I don't know, but I often think about that, that just kind of brings in my mind that that might be the case. Or then you have other people, when they pray, they feel like the only time they can pray are these stilted, these, these prayers that sound like they're coming out of some monastery, you know, 300 years ago. How many of you know kind of what I mean? Would you raise your hand? You've been around people like that to do that, and of course you go down to the prayer book. But you know, as I go through Scripture... And I'm sensing communication that people have with God or people have with God the Father. And even when Jesus, who is God the Son, spoke to God the Father, that they weren't these long stilted speeches. They weren't rote speeches. They weren't shallow things. But actually, if you listen to their conversations to God, they actually are that. The model is, as a friend would speak to a friend. In fact, in our passage today, it talks about that. Speaking to a friend like face to face. I think about the friends that I have in my life and how much I enjoy being able to just converse with them. Sometimes with people I know, I talk a little more. Now, isn't that hard for you to believe? But the ones that I don't know, and some of you are around me sometimes when I'm in a crowd that I don't know a lot of people, I sometimes can be accused of being aloof. And some of you brought that to my attention too. But the people that I'm around, it's like I've been vaccinated with a phonograph needle. I just go, 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 go. And maybe you know people like that as well. And I'm wondering that some of us that don't pray is because we see God as a theological being. We don't deny the existence of God, but we don't see him in a relationship that we should. Now, I don't want to reduce the great king of kings and the Lord of lords down to a buddy, a high five buddy. But I do want you to know that in scripture, though, it does talk about communicating with him like a friend, like someone we really want to speak to that we feel like we can get up close and personal to. Now, most of you know that we've been here almost five years now, and I'm pretty transparent with some of you, sometimes too much so. But I'm not transparent maybe as much as I would have been, or as I was actually, with my father who now is in heaven. My dad was a good dad. He took me everywhere. We did a lot of things together. Around my dad, I could say anything, and I knew I was accepted. I could just relax, and my dad and I could have talks about everything about life. And I'd love to share with you sometimes the conversations that we had. In fact, I could feel so comfortable around my dad that I could even burp in front of my dad. But I don't feel comfortable about burping in front of you. Now, I'm going to stop with that. But you know exactly what I mean by the conversation when you feel comfortable that you can really kind of let your hair down and talk. I don't mean to be crass with your friend and I don't mean to talk about things that would not be right because our conversation needs to be pleasing in the ears of God no matter whom we're speaking but at the same time it should be in a relaxed fashion we often don't feel that way well in the passage that we're going to be looking at today we're going to look at Moses and he's in a conversation with God and it's described as a man would speak to his friend but I could just go right into it and give you five points close in prayer you probably would like that because we get done earlier 
the danger of that though is you don't get the context of it so I don't want to go long but I have to tell you this wonderful conversation that we're going to learn a couple points that might help us in becoming more intimate with the Lord would be helpful to us if we knew the context so for those of you especially who are new to the Bible you'll like this as I'm going to give you a little bit of background even though we're hitting just the mountain peaks you know the children of Israel were in Egypt probably know that much way back thousands of years ago so much so that they are so put under by the Egyptian rulers that it was time for God to be able to take them out and so he took them out of Egypt but to do that he had to speak and identify a leader his name was Moses now men I'd like you to listen to this because we're not talking about some little mealy mouth guy we're talking about a man's man probably a man very much like you a man who wants to do things, wants to make a difference in the world, but yet at the same time could be fearful and anxious and perhaps has a little bit of insecurity issues. But Moses was a man's man. Well, God spoke to him and told him what he needed to do. Told him what he had to say to Pharaoh. Got him out there to lead those children of Israel. And he really did that. Took him out of Egypt. Went through the Red Sea situation. And now they're heading towards the promised land. And as they're heading towards the promised land, the Lord decided then to summon Moses to him because he knew that Moses had to have some guidelines we could call them laws to help to govern the people because there were so many of them and there's chaos now I mean here they are millions of Jewish people men women boys and girls like you kids here and they needed to have some direction now and in the future but also part of that to know God even through some of those laws so he told them these are the things you do for feast days this is what you'll do for festivals here are some things for hygiene here's how you're going to run here's what you want to do if you want to connect to me and all of that so he could give them all those rules and by the way there was such a long conversation that conversation started in Exodus chapter 19 and many chapters later it finally ended but it ended because the Lord had to call a time out to Moses because while he was Moses and God were together on top of a mount the children of Israel got tired of waiting. Now think about it for a moment. Their one leader who was their main spokesman leads them out and he goes up to this mountain and they don't see him anymore and now they wait. Well, okay, a day, two days, okay, three days, hey, it's pretty good, the leader's gone. Now there's a little anarchy going on, if you know what I mean. And so it was so bad, the Lord said, wait a second, these children, they're, they're, they can go to the promised land, but I don't want to be a part of it. So Moses comes down there and they had to have a come to Jesus meeting, we might say. And then some things started to turn around, but it was a bad scene. Well, then now Moses is out there and he's realizing that he needs now to get even closer to the Lord. He needs to have conversation with the Lord. He needs to have wisdom. And so we're now coming to another portion here that's talking in Exodus chapter 33. Now, for just a moment, for those of you that are a little bit further in your Bible understanding, when Moses was up on the mount, God gave to Moses a description of a huge, huge tent, bigger than any tent that you would see probably on one of our shores. And in this tent, they call it a special tabernacle because in that, certain things would take place until the big temple would be built centuries later. And so all that was given, but it wasn't yet built. But Moses, because he really wanted to meet the Lord, created his own little tabernacle or tent, and he did that by calling it a tabernacle of meeting or a tent of meeting. So he had this thing built, don't know what it looks like, not very descriptive, but we knew what was important. At that particular tent, before the big tent was built, this tent was where Moses would go and meet with God. 
Was God satisfied with that until the other one was built? It seems so because we know that there was a vision of God through a, a cloud that came. So in other words, the stamp of God was meeting there. Now here's where we're going to pick it up because when we talk about meeting with God, a conversation goes into play. A conversation is very similar to what we now would call praying. And we don't necessarily go to a temple. We don't go to a tent. We don't go to a tabernacle. And even this, what we call a sanctuary, is kind of a very liturgical word, but it's nothing more than just a building that's big enough to put a lot of chairs in, focused on whomever might be speaking up here. But that's all that it is. But now in the Bible days, in the Old Testament, they had a little place to go. Now with that in mind, I wanted you to see what Moses did now in his time away with the Lord. Now for some of you, you're going to step back and you're going to curiously look at the life of Moses and you're going to pick out five points from a few verses. And that's good to do. But I don't want you to have information only. It's good to have the information, but not only. Some of you, us, need to go a little bit deeper and say, hmm, why did Moses do this? What did he get out of doing this? Is this something similar that God would want me to do today? And in some measure, will this help me in my own intimacy with the Lord? Now, keeping that in mind, I drew some applications from this passage that I hope might be a blessing to you. And young people, I'd like you to lean into this as well because my, my thought would be if I could just have one dedicated guy and one dedicated gal who's willing now to give it all up for God in all these little areas right now. Not only what it'll do now in your life is a benefit, but you having these drilled deep in your life, what you will be like so much more later on as well. And for you men again, I want you to know this was a man's man who realized that he had a great task ahead of him and he could not do it without his time with God. Intimacy. All right. Now with that, you might want to take out your little outline again and you can follow along and read the passage as I read it to you. All right. So let's look at it together, shall we? Five ways Moses modeled having face time with the Lord. It might look like this. Number one, we would separate ourselves regularly. Would you look at it? We would separate ourselves regularly. Let me read the verse to you. It's very easy. It says, Moses took his tent and he pitched it outside the camp. Notice what he did. He got away from the commotion of the camp. And then it says, far from the camp. So it wasn't just outside the door. He got far enough away from the commotion and probably people badgering him for issues that they might have. And he called that place the tabernacle of meeting. As I looked at that, I wanted to make some things clear to you. Back in those days, while we know God is everywhere, God chose to meet people at certain spots. All right? Now, today it's different. There is no special spot that the Lord wants to meet us. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that, therefore, the Lord has no place to meet us at all. Every place we go is a spot where we can meet God. However, if we're honest enough, we will admit that at certain spots where we can talk to the Lord, there is a lot going on that can somewhat distract us from 100% eyeball to eyeball, what we might call FaceTime with God. Can you agree with that? I think you can. I'm thinking about a man this week on Friday who was living his life like you'll do tomorrow. He was working. He comes into town. He's at the top of the poly. He's driving his truck. He's now coming down the poly, and soon afterwards, the brakes of his truck give out, as we're told. 
He is now careening down the Pali Highway, weaving in and out of traffic because he has absolutely no brakes. And on this side of the Pali, there is no runaway truck ramp like there are in some other mountainous areas. He now has to dodge cars, motorcycles, buses, SUVs, and anybody else who might even be walking through a crosswalk knowing that he is plummeting towards town at 8.45 in the morning when there is tremendous amount of traffic stacked up to get into the arteries of downtown Honolulu. You are the driver of that truck for a moment. Now, I think almost any human, whether they're heathen or not, would cry out to something or someone in some form of desperation. I did not interview the driver. I don't know. But if it was me, I too would be crying out unto the Lord. But at the same time, I'd be steering this car away from any solid object at which I might hit. Now think about it for a moment. He had the presence of mind to dodge the traffic at the bottom of the Pali, way down at the other end of Nuanu, and he careened it through some bushes to slow his truck down. He avoided hitting a concrete piling. He avoided hitting the heart of a home, and he just took out a garage, and he stopped. Now, I'm saying you can pray in those situations, and I pray that none of you, men, women, boys, and girls, will ever go through something that that man has anything even like that. But I think if the truth be known, we have enough distractions in our life, and yes, we can pray with those distractions, but we're not zeroed in. Now, let's bring it into reality in my life and your life. This year, on our island, they instituted a law that said that you cannot use your cell phone without a headset when you're driving. How many of you know that? Say, "Uh uh-huh. I, 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 I hate that law. I know that's a good law, but you know how busy I am most of the time. I'd rather talk while I'm driving because I can do two things at once. I didn't say well. I just said two things at once. I read an article out of a men's health magazine recently that talked about talking on your cell phone, documenting that even if you have the headset, how dangerous it is. I really cease doing it even after I've read that article. But here's my point. Whether you've got a system in your car or on your head that you can talk to someone else while you're driving, you're still doing two things at once. And it's very, very difficult to do that. Can you have a conversation? Yes. Can you also be driving? Yes. Will you do both well? Honestly, honestly, humble yourself and answer that question. Can you really do both well? Can you really give the listener of your conversation 100% of your attention as you really need to? And now I'm saying that in everyday life, we are going to face horrific distractions. And when we do, that distraction can draw us away from that intimacy that we have with the Lord. Now, here's a probing question. Isn't it not true that even if you went to your private spot to talk with God, your beach, the cab of your truck, a bathroom on the seat... Door closed, talking to God. Our mind is so filled with clutter that even when I get away from the world, my mind is still racing to other things that it's still a discipline for me to have to focus on God. Is that not true with all of us? And so perhaps what Moses is doing here as a model to us is he's going outside the camp, far from the camp, and you could call it confusion and clutter, and he called to go to a place to be with God. Now let me explain something about a time with the Lord. When you're with the Lord, it's a time to see His face. It is also a time to let Him speak to you. It is also a time for us to talk 
to him. It's a time that we are focused in a relationship, which all of that is involved, to have our full focus upon the Lord. Now let me just encourage you. Ask God to reveal to you perhaps two or three places that could be spots outside of your camp, far from your camp, to do this. Now listen carefully. For Moses to go outside the camp, it took him time to get there. It also meant, boy, is this going to be preaching to me. He had to leave important tasks undone to go to that spot. Did that scratch you? Were you itch? Now some of you might say, does that mean that that's the only way I can get close to God is to get alone? I really can't say that. I can't judge your relationship with him. You have to be honest and admit that. But I have a New Testament example for us. Jesus separated himself from the confusion and the clutter of life, got up early in the morning to do so, and he went to a private place, a solitary place, a spot, and there he prayed. So I have a model in the Old Testament, a man's man Moses, a leader, an influencer of others who did it, and I have Jesus who did it in the New Testament as models. Now dads, for a moment, some of you are far enough in your walk with the Lord, you're saying, that's what I need to do. I need to model that to my family, so I better do this. First of all, I want to applaud you for doing that and realizing that you're going to be a model, whatever you do, but you're choosing to be a right model, but watch this. If your purpose is merely to go to have alone time with God so you would model it before your family, you'll have this alone time with God, but it won't be as rich because it's not about modeling then. It's all about intimacy with God then. And the byproduct will be modeling. So your motivation isn't to model because then you might not do it because your kids aren't going to see you anyway. Your real, real reason to do it is I need to be alone with the Lord whether my kid sees or not. All right, let's look at the second one here. So after he separated himself regularly, he sought God with all his heart. So we need to seek the Lord with all our heart. It says, And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord, so that would include Moses and others, went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which is outside the camp, which is kind of interesting. Moses led it, and the others followed it. Why did they go? They were seeking the Lord. Now, if you don't mind, let me use this illustration for a moment. How many of you have uh, misplaced your keys? Have any of you misplaced your keys in the last two or three weeks and you couldn't find them for a few minutes and you're okay to raise your hand and just slip it up and say that's happened to you? How many of you misplaced your keys? Okay, that's all right. How many of you then have misplaced your cell phone and you couldn't find it in the last couple of weeks? Did you raise your hand? How many of you have more than one cell phone in your family and when you couldn't find your cell phone, you used someone else's to call your cell phone to hear if it would ring? Would you raise your hand? Oh my goodness, look at all the hands. All right. Now, the illustration still fits. All right, we feel the absence. In other words, I need my keys to get somewhere. It brings something to me that I need. I need my cell phone in case someone calls me. I have to call them. I'm going out of the house. My kids need to get a hold of me. Communication, whatever it might be, it's a need. It's not so much keys to car or cell phone. What it really is is those things help you do life. All right? And so now when I seek the Lord, I'm seeking the Lord because it 
helps me do life. Now, I don't want to get too far on these applications. But I wonder sometimes if we fret so much about the loss of our keys or the misplacement of a phone that they almost become miniature idols to us. We're fretting, we're so nervous, we're so upset, and we now start taking it out on others. And that really is a thermometer of how little of an intimacy that we have with the Lord. Because now our whole relationship is shot with others because we're not intimate with God. I don't know, just something to think about because our time with the Lord is what really helps us do life. All right, let's look at the third term. Besides just separating ourselves regularly, Moses did that. He sought the Lord. Others sought the Lord because he did it. But also expect to be watched by others. Expect to be watched by others. To help you understand that, let's look at the verse together. It says, so it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, tent of meeting, that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. Now, folks, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here. But those of you who are now going to say, I need to step up and really have my time with God. In order for you to do that, something has got to happen in your life as a decision. When you put it on the calendar and you have to say no to something, you have to change something. More cases than not, when you are going to have your meeting with God, other people will know about it. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.